were not living an easy life. No electricity, no water, no jobs, no money, everything is ruined. It's not an easy life, but we are living the best life. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement, and even death, simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. We discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. Hello, I'm Jack Norman and I'm the guest host on this edition of Release International's Voice podcast. Today I'm speaking to Pastor Jihad, who is the leader of the True Vine Baptist Church in Zali, Lebanon. As a partner of Release International, the church is serving Christians in Lebanon who have suffered persecution. But today, we'll be hearing something from his personal testimony and how God prepared him to help those fleeing the war in Syria. As a child, he was himself displaced from his home by the Syrian army. But God is now using him to reach Syrian refugees, those who were once seen as his enemy. Welcome, Pastor Jihad, to the, the Voice podcast. And it's good to have you with us uh, the, today. Okay. I, and I, I know there's the, the story um, of this church, uh, I think, is one which is, is uh, one which has really encouraged me uh, as I've uh, thought about how this church began and, and where the church is today, only 25 years after it first, you first uh, felt the calling to be a pastor. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about how that all took place. What were you doing and what was, how was your life before you became a pastor and how did you get called to, to this ministry? I was born in a Christian family. My father and mother are very good Christians dedicated to God. So when I was 12 years old, I gave my life to Christ. When I was 13 years old, I used to spend overnight prayers with adult people in our church. When I was 14 years old, I went out into the streets that I in the city. The, the, I went into the streets of the city that I grew up in, and I knocked each door and gave them Bibles in all the buildings. When I was 15, I preached my first sermon. When I was 16, I was baptized. When I was 17, I led the first children camp. When I was 18, I led the first uh, youth camp. When I was 19, 20 years old. One day, I was sitting with my father. I was uh, in my second or third year in the Faculty of Engineering at the American University of Beirut. And my father looked at me and he said, I want to ask you something, son. I said, what is it? And he said, what are you going to do in your life? Well, what a question is that? I paused for a moment. I thought and I said to him, Father, if God calls me now to leave everything behind and go and serve him in China and anywhere, any country in the, in the world, I'm ready to leave everything behind and go serve the Lord. He looked at me and he said, you know something, son, before you were born, we dedicated you to God. You are in right to the Lord. So that was a big surprise to me. I froze for like two minutes. Uh, with a flashback to the history of my life, as if 
now I understand why I had all this burden, all this fire in my heart, loving the Lord, serving the Lord all mm. the time. Mm. So uh, this is how I grew up in a very good Christian family. My grandmother came to faith when she was 65 years old. And I used to sleep in the same room with her. And she used to pray for hours and hours. So every night I slept with the voice of her prayer in my ears. And I woke up early in the morning with the voice of her prayer in my ear. So I thank God for this amazing family that I grew up in. Mm, what great faith they had to dedicate you. Yep. to God at that, that stage when you were the, the, the young child. And so it's great to hear that God prepared you, I guess, in the intervening yes. years, even if you didn't know that. That's, uh, that's what uh, that had been prayed over you. But obviously there came a time when uh, you decided to uh, follow the lead and give it up and uh, give up what you were doing. You were an engineer, I understand, yes. um, and, and become the pastor of the church. How did that all come about? Well... God knows my heart. I had this burden to serve him and share the good news with the people anywhere, with anyone. I shared it with all my friends, all my relatives in the university, in the school. Wherever I grew up, I used to share my faith, my faith. And one night I was at home in Beirut and I received a phone call from the city Zahli. Someone whom I know, a family that uh, from my mother church, they were living here in the city. So they called me and said, we want you to come next week to Zahli. And I asked them, why? What's going on? And they said, a gang of like 17, 18 young people met together tonight and they were feeling emptiness in their hearts. So they grabbed the Bible and they started reading the Bible. And they had many questions. So they invited them and they were asking them about Christ. So they gave them some answers and they promised them that if they would come the following week, they would call some other people to come and share the gospel with them. So that's how I came to Zahli. The next Friday, I came to Zahli and I found in a small room like 40 people waiting for us. I shared a small message about following Christ and then they started asking questions and we were answering them. And that first meeting lasted for six hours from 7 p.m. till 1 a.m. That very first meeting, three out of four of the leaders of the gang gave their lives to Christ. Mm, and they God. were the yeah. first three members in our church. Praise God. This is how we started. Mm. So I started coming after that to the city, day after day, week after week, started meeting with these people. And this is how we started our ministry. Mm. Well, clearly, I think one of the... Uh... One of the things which, as I've shared some uh, time with uh, some of your folks at the church, it, it's, uh, there are many good news stories uh, associated with this church, but I know one of them which uh, you've shared with me is, is about how the, the building, the, this land that we're sitting on at the moment, came to be the church here in, in Zali. So can you maybe share something about how that all came about? Let me go back before the church building to tell you how I moved to Zahri and how we started the church. Mm -hmm. uh, we were meeting in houses here and there, and we did not have anywhere to meet. Mm -hmm. So it was so frustrating to me. It was not that easy in the beginning. And I was praying and struggling and fighting with God. People were leaving. We did not have a place to meet in. So someday... It was in August 2002. 
I was in my hometown. I knelt down. I prayed. I cried. I fought with God. I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to Zahri anymore. Before going to bed, I retrieved my email and I received a strange mail. And the mail says, 10 people used to meet together. One of them did not like the preacher, so he left only nine remained. One of them got married, so she left only eight remained. Someone did not like the music, so he left only seven remained. And for various reasons, in mm. the end, the pastor was alone. Mm. So he was so frustrated. He knelt down, he prayed, he, he cried, he fought with God, and God gave him peace and promised to bless him. Mm. So that pastor in that story, he invited his neighbor the other day and they had the Bible study together. They were so touched. Each one of them, the other day, invited his other neighbor. They became four, and then mm. they became eight, and mm. then became 16, and then they became a big and blessed church. Mm. So I said, God, thank you. Then now I know that it is you mm. who've sent me this email. Mm. It's so encouraging. So you want me again to go to Zahli. Next week, someone called me and he offered me an apartment that he has to rent for our group to meet in that apartment. And they said, okay, we will see. So the next week, he called me again. I said, I'll give you an answer. The third week, he called me again. And I was asking God, is it you? Is it from you? Because God knows that I only move by being pushed. The week after, Someone in the Baptist Society in Beirut, he called me and they said to me, there's the BMS, Baptist Mission Society in England. They are ready to help you paying the rent for three years if you want to start, if you consider starting a church in Zahli. And this is how we started. With just seven people, and in 2003, we started praying, fasting, inviting people. In two years, the place was full. So we needed a bigger place. Facing that apartment, which is an apartment here in front of us, mm-hmm. There was a big hole here in the ground. And we thought that it's a good place to build the church here. So we asked about the owner, and they told us that the owner is in Saudi Arabia. There are problems in this property. But we kept praying for two years, laying our heads from behind the window. God, we want this piece of land. Mm -hmm. This is a good place to build a church here at the edge of the city so that we can outreach to all types of people, all kinds of people. After two years... Our neighbors told me that the owner is back. So I asked one of the members to check who was the owner. 30 minutes later, he called me and he said to me, he said to me, can you come to my home? The owner is in my home. I went there and in 30 minutes, we got the deal for a very cheap price. He was bankrupt. He was paying very high interest and he wanted to help us when he knew that we were going to build a church. After buying this property, the owner of the buildings, the three buildings facing the church, is an architect. So he called me and he said, I've heard that you're going to build a church here. And my dream in life is to build a church. Mm. So if you allow me, I'm ready to do all the designs for you for free. So God's putting the pieces together. Yeah. And this is how we started. In yeah. one year and three months, we finished the designs, we got the license, and we were ready to start the church building. And then out of nowhere, someone called me and he said, I'm coming from America. I have money for you to start the church building. This is how we started. We started the building. We uh, fixed the ground floor with the basement. And uh, we were just about to move to the new building. And as the Syrian refugees started coming into our area, and God opened the door wide openly to serve among them. And we'll come to that, I'm sure, in a, in a, yeah. in a moment. I, I think one, one of the things which you shared has been your, your vision in your ministry is, is that Lebanon is, is the gateway to the Middle East. And can, maybe can you explain 
how that looks in, in terms of your vision for, for the country. Yes. Yeah. The first research paper that I wrote in my biblical studies was Lebanon is the key to the Middle East. And I believe that Lebanon is the key because it is the only free country in the Arab world. Mm. It's a very beautiful country. So all tourists mm. come around from all the Arab world into our country for tourism. Lebanon used to have the best education, the best medical, uh, the best doctors we had here. Mm. So it's a very uh, unique in the Middle East. Mm. So I believe, yes, that Lebanon is the key to the Middle East. Through it, we can reach out to all the countries around us, sharing mm. the good news. What a great vision that is. And I pray that God will just fulfill that vision in, in your life. He is. He is fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, we, have, we have members from our church now in many Arab countries. Around. Praise God. Praise God. I'm speaking to Pastor Jihad in Lebanon. We've heard about how he became a Christian and a pastor and how the Lord miraculously provided his church with a building in the place he calls the Gateway to the Middle East. We'll go on to hear how God has used Pastor Jihad and his church to provide for those fleeing the conflict in Syria. We'll hear how the church is overcoming daily challenges to live the best and most satisfying life for Christ. At around the time the building was being completed, uh, the world started to change in this part of the world and, yes. and challenges started to come your way, which you had to address in the ministry of the church. So the, the, the Syrian war and then obviously the rise of ISIS driving so many refugees uh, your direction. So how has that uh, challenge been met by the church and how has that shaped your ministries in the, in the last 10 years or so? When we built that church, we built one flat, one floor with the vision of having it as a safe house for the runaways of the Arab country. But God had something much bigger than that. The whole church turned out to be a safe house to thousands and thousands and thousands of people running away from the war mm. in Syria. This is how it happened. Someone from the church came to me and he said to me, we have many refugees around us. Is there any way to help them? And I was like... Oh, how can we help them? You know, now we're building the church. We don't have money. How we can help them? Let's pray and see how God may lead us. Mm. So we had a prayer meeting that night. Uh, it was Friday evening. Just after four days, uh, I was in a board meeting in Beirut. And we had someone uh, uh, from Canada explaining to us how to, how to organize relief projects. So as he finished, I went to him and I said to him, you're talking about relief and we have many refugees in our area. Is there any way to help them? He looked at me and he smiled and he said, I have with me $30,000. Go ahead, pick up 100 families and start helping them mm. with baskets of food. Mm. And this is how we started. We invited them to the church. I shared in the first meeting like 10, 12 minutes. Mm. And I said, we are here to help you with both hands, physically and spiritually. Mm. Because Jesus says, a man shall, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds mm. from the mouth of God. We are here to help you for two reasons. First, because we had war in Lebanon and I, we can feed with you. I was eight years old when the war started in Lebanon, and I used to run across the street while going to the school trying to escape the snipers. So I was displaced from a village for years, three years and a half, so we can feel with you. The second reason we are here to help you because we are Christians, and Christ taught us to help everyone without any discrimination. Mm -hmm. That's why we are here to help you. So and when I finished, I looked into their eyes. Most of them were crying. So after the service, they got the baskets of food, and they went home. Mm. 
The second Sunday, a couple came to the church and they said, we were touched by your message. We'd love to start coming into your church. Mm. And they came in. Mm. And then others followed and others mm. followed. So mm. we had to start a second service and then a third service mm. and then a fourth service. Mm. And I was preaching like 30 times a month. Mm. And God opened all the doors mm. widely, mm. serving these people with hundreds and thousands coming yeah. to the church. Yeah, yeah. Was it, I know the, you had the heart that not to discriminate based on history. But yes. was, that, was that common for the, the Lebanese church or was it harder for some Christians in Lebanon? To it is very heart? hard. This city, Zahli, was surrounded by the Syrian army mm. for three months and it was bombed day and night. Hundreds of people were killed, thousands were injured. Mm. So there's, there's a history, mm. a long history between the Lebanese and the Syrians. And I grew up in this atmosphere. But God changed my heart when he showed me that they are just victims mm. and they need someone to liberate them and mm. open their eyes to know the truth, mm. to know the love of Christ. At that moment, God changed my heart and put this burden on my heart to help everyone, to love everyone, to serve everyone without any discrimination because this is our Christianity. This is our true Bible. And I know you've described it to me in uh, over lunch yesterday. Um, as hard as this is, the situation around you, which you're having to respond to, it's it's certainly been uh, a catalyst for growth of the church, as you've seen yes. new believers coming into the church, you've seen people's faith being revitalized. Um, and I think you described it with the, the, the phrase that as hard as it is, we're living the best life. That's true. I always say it. We're not living an easy life. No electricity, no water, no jobs, no money. Everything is ruined. It's not an easy life, but we are living the best life, the most satisfying life, being the head of Christ, helping all these people, seeing them tra being transformed, wiping out their tears, putting a smile on their faces, leading them to faith, mm. getting saved, knowing Christ, having eternal life. This is the best thing, to see hundreds of people raising their, their heads and their hearts worshiping the Lord, full of joy because they've seen the light, because, they've knew, because they knew Christ and got saved. It's a great story. And I, and I know that it's, it, it feels to me that all the way God has been preparing you from the time of your birth when your parents dedicated you to the Lord yes. to changing your heart so that you were prepared to reach out to, to those who historically may have been seen as enemies, but I think also God is preparing the church for what has taken place in the last few years economically in Lebanon. And so it's not now just the, the Syrian refugees that yes. the church is helping, it's the people of Lebanon as well. Maybe can, can you just explain a little bit more about that? Since the revolution in 2019, everything collapsed in the country. The economy collapsed, the banks took all our money, we lost all our money in the banks, we lost the value of our currency, it was 1,500, it's now 40,000 per dollar. So we lost our jobs, then came the pandemic, and the Beirut blast destroyed a big part of the city. So the situation is very tough, very difficult in Lebanon. But God used all these difficult times to break the arrogance of our people. So our people now are broken. They are so vulnerable. They are so open to the gospel now. Mm -hmm. And here's the role of the church, to love and embrace and help and uh, support people who are in need.
So now in the church, we have more than 20 ministries. We have medical ministries, we have educational ministries, schools, we have charity shops, we have laundry, we have relief uh, mm. center, we have uh, properties where we sow all kinds of vegetables and we distribute it to the mm. people for free. So because of this difficult situation, our people are broken and are coming back to faith. So God is using this difficult time so that people would come and know him. The situation of the Lebanese now is even worse than the situation of the refugees in our country. So everything is destroyed now. And God is using that for good. So the pray the, the church is working now day and night. All our teams working day and night trying to help people with all kinds of support that they need. And, and along the way, uh, I'm sure there have been many good news stories along the way, in, in yeah. spite of all the hardships. So maybe is there, is there one story that which may, may stand out in your mind which you could share with us to encourage uh, those who are listening to, to even today? I can share a thousand stories. Mm. Throughout all these years, we witnessed hundreds of miracles and visions and dreams. We are living again the book of Acts. Mm. Through all the difficult times that we are passing and we are living again the book of Acts, we prayed for people, for their healings, and they got healed. Mm. Some people we prayed for their cancer and they got healed. Mm. We prayed for some people who could not see, they, now they see. So right. something we're never used to. Many people, hundreds of people witnessed that they've seen Christ in a dream or mm. in a vision. So this is normal to us now. So we have amazing, many stories to share. But one of the stories that I like to share that uh, is so significant to our church is which is it, it's during the pandemic when everything was closed during the lockdown, a group of the young people in the church, they took their guitar and they went into the land of the church that, which we had. And there under the tree, they got their guitar and they started worshiping the Lord. And they put it on their status. So their friends started calling them, where is that? We are at home. We have nothing to do. Can we come? And they started inviting their neighbors, their friends, sorry. And they were under the tree and they started sharing with them the gospel. So we had to put a container there for them. Mm -hmm. So they started meeting in the container, mm -hmm. not under the tree. In a few weeks, it was full with young people. So all the nightclubs were closed. All the casinos were closed. To all these young people, they had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So they were invited to join mm -hmm. their friends there. So in a few weeks, it, fell, it was full. We had to expand. So we built a, a hole there. In a few months, it was full again. We had to expand it one more time. So since two years or one year and a half till today, every night, we have young people coming into that place. Mm. We have more than 150 to 200 new young believers. So we have now like a new church there, a new group of amazing people who have come to faith because of the pandemic. Praise God. It really is such a good news story in the midst of all the hardship that we've talked about and, and the hardship that Lebanon continues to face and believers in Lebanon continue to face. Um, we do want to land the, the, our time together now by, uh, I'd, I'd like to, uh, you to share with us maybe some things that we can pray personally for you, some things that we can pray for the church as it seeks to fulfill the calling that God has given it in this place at this time. And, and for the country of Lebanon as a whole. So maybe start with yourself. What, what can we be praying? What can our listeners be praying for you at this time? Well, you know, we have a lot of challenges and difficulties that we face all the time. So 
we need uh, prayer so that God will support us uh, with his strength, fill us with his spirit and give us wisdom mm. to know how to take decisions, the right decisions and how to discern between things. Concerning the church, our good problem now is that we we're not able to follow up with all the people who are coming to faith. So now we're organizing the church with the cell groups so that we can follow up with many people coming to faith all the time. So this is a big challenge to us. This is new to us. So please pray for us so that we will succeed in this. We know how to uh, organize all these cell groups so that we can follow up mm. all our people and bring more and more mm. people to so faith. Important. So important, yeah. 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 And about, about our country, our main prayer that we always pray so that God will keep freedom for us. Mm. Sometimes we pray that God will change the situation. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we say, God, if this is your will, and this is the way you, you bring people to faith so that they get saved, let it be your will. Amen. But yeah. our main yeah. prayer so that God will keep our country as a free country so that we can share the gospel to everyone from our country and from all the countries around us. Amen. May that be so. Amen. Thanks so much for your time today. But thank you. God bless thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. Hearing how God has prepared and positioned Pastor Jihad throughout his life is a huge encouragement. It's also a reminder that when we dedicate our lives to the Lord, even when we live through hardship, challenges and suffering, we'll live in the best life. Being the hand of Christ where we are, where God has positioned us, is a calling we all have as Christians and one that brings immense blessing. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Voice Podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. We'd love to hear your feedback on this podcast too, so please do share your comments with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then you can subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org backslash podcast. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them.